Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everybody, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is a special bonus episode of The Nerdalogs Presents the Your Stories Podcast, recorded live at the Jangle Heart Circus, a wonderful comedy festival hosted by the folks behind Upstairs Gallery that took place about a month ago in Chicago. Festival organizer Alex Hanet was kind enough to host us and a variety of other podcasts at the festival, uh, including The Nerdalogs Talking Games with Tim and Clayton, and this is what resulted... Uh, we stole Jangle Heart's theme for this episode, which for some reason was Under the Sea. So you'll hear from fellow podcasters and comedians Chris Geiger, Patrick O'Rourke, Clayton Margison, Katie Johnson-Smith, Mark Coulomb, and Eric Roth on what that theme inspires in them. Uh, believe it or not, after a crazy summer, there isn't a ton of Nerdalog stuff to plug right now. Just make sure to watch our Facebook and YouTube pages as we're hitting the ground hard working on videos again, and we're also busy playtesting our game Fisticuffs, which debuted at the Indie Mega Booth at PAX earlier this year. Uh, and of course, don't forget about our many free weekly podcasts, including the Nerdalogcast, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, and the aforementioned Talking Games with Tim and Clayton. MBSing just did an episode with comedian and podcaster Graham Elwood, who you might have heard on Douglas Movies or on his own podcast, Comedy Film Nerds. Uh, this is a really great one, and it's available to download right now for free on iTunes and our website, www.nerdalogs.com. And if you've got any feedback on our shows, you can call us at 405-JAW-NERD, J-A-W-N-E-R-D, to let us know. Uh, otherwise, just keep enjoying these bad boys, and we'll keep making them. Now, on to the show. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Your Stories! Yeah, there you go. Uh, so usually we're in a theater and there's like intro music and I have a friend and we have guitars and we sing songs and shit, but that can't happen tonight. So I'm just going to pipe in some some music and we're going to pretend that I played it uh, for the podcast. It's of course going to be Under the Sea from Little Mermaid because that is our theme tonight. We've got six super sweet storytellers here to reflect on that theme or I don't know, do whatever. They can do what they want. They're all grown ass men and women. First person coming up from the Nerdalogs. Chris Geiger. Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, uh, first of all, thank you guys all so much for being here. Uh, I know we asked you. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't have to. Um, cool, so I'm going to do a classic uh, Nerdalog sing and completely disregard the theme of the night. Uh, and... Right from the get-go, straight away. So the rest of you guys look like real assholes. <laughs> uh, so let me tell you something. So what I've been doing lately is uh, a friend and I, a friend of mine and I have been like sharing uh, stock photos with each other uh, under different themes and just like huge lists of stock photos. And uh, I eventually just started like pulling one of those randomly every now and then as like a writing exercise, writing a short story around that stock photo. Uh, and one of them I particularly liked, so I actually wanted to read that as my story tonight. Uh, it's based around the, the theme that of, of this stock photo collage was Sad Thumbs Up. 
Uh, which, again, anything you think of in stock photo, they have a ton of photos of those. Uh, <laughs> and this particular one has, uh, for the listeners at home, and I'll show you guys all this picture, uh, is a small child uh, in a Dust Bowl era uh, tire uh, with a sad thumbs up holding what looks to be an iPad encased in styrofoam. Uh, so here, here you guys can all look at it. <laughs> it's It's weird. It's totally bizarre. I don't know what you would use it for, <laughs> like uh, what actual product or website you'd be advertising for. <laughs> it's super bizarre. Um, hopefully, we'll put this on the uh, the website. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just and his face is so is is so sullen. Uh, I'm gonna need that back because I'm gonna read the story off of it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's a weird, weird story. Weird guy. So I immediately uh, looked at that, and I, and I thought of a story to write. And so this is the story for you guys. Uh, and I'm going to read it in the voice of the storyteller. The, the dust bowl was hard for young John Weatherson. While their crops wilted in the fields, dirt choked the Weatherson's pores, making even sweating a difficult task. The family saw at each other, and they played dirt football daily with a ball made of consolidated dust. A true effort to make all that God provides useful and a boon. It all changed when Pa came home. I got it, I got it, Pa said excitedly. The words stumbling over each other as they poured from his mouth. Ma cried, uh, cried out with joy upon Pa's arrival. She couldn't believe the sight of pure bliss on Pa's face as he entered the kitchen, clutching a heavy potato sack to his chest as if the dust could blow it away any moment. John was called in from outside, as was Elizabeth, Richie, Toots, and Pringle Can. The other Weatherson children. As they rushed into the kitchen, Pa exclaimed, I didn't think I'd get it, but they said I won, and doggone it, I did. The looks of wonder crossed over the faces of the Weatherson children. John held back. He was getting old enough to truly understand Pa's rampant gambling habit, and while he could figure out where his Pa got his prize, he wasn't sure what it could be. Toots was the first to break the pregnant silence that followed. What is it, Pa? Toots asked suggestively. It's an iPad, Pa replied gruffly, as if they should know what it is. What's it do? Toots responded quickly. It's going to change our world. It'll tell us the weather and let us check our mail without leaving the house. It's four miles to pick up our mail, Pa remarked as he unfurled the iPad from his potato sack and encased it in styrofoam packaging. This white shit is supposed to keep it protected or summit, Pa said simply. Now get on out of here, children, Pa shouted as, they urged, as, the, as he urged the children back outside. As they left, he placed a weathered hand on John's shoulder. Someday this will be yours, boy, Pa said simply. So you're going to take real good care of it, you hear? Pa placed the iPad in John's hand and squatted to meet him eye to eye. John held the weighty black and white slate in his hands, unsure of what it meant. All he could reckon was that it was the most important thing to his Pa, so it shall be the most important thing to him. He held the iPad in one hand and gave a simple gesture, a thumbs up, to his paw in response. Sure thing, Pa, John said. It was the first time John had spoken in four years. As Pa choked back tears, he took the iPad back and began to run his fingers over it. John left the kitchen to return to his dirt football, and as he left, he overheard his Pa say, What's wee John would never forget those words because his paw was his world. 
and his pause words were gospel. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I'm about to blow everybody's minds. Chris, what is the name of your project, your overarching name? You said you just bought a domain, and it it is called... Uh Uh-huh. Watermark. Water. See. Ah, it did fit the theme. Look at you. Yeah. Magic. Magic at the Nerdalogs. Uh, so a little background for people who don't know. This is a show that we do every month, usually at the Public House Theater. It's a super fun time. Uh, people like to share stories, tell jokes, sing songs, whatever. Uh, we're really stoked to be here at Jangle Heart. We've got some great storytellers. A lot of people who are talking tonight have other podcasts that are recording here or did record here. The next fellow is recording here tomorrow at 9 o'clock? 10 o'clock. Patrick O'Rourke from Making New Friends. Patrick is a friend that we recently made. And we like him a lot. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I love your stories. It's always a really good time. Uh, it's a lot different to do it, like, outside of a theater, though, right? Uh, but it's great. Um, so my wife, Lauren, she's here today. And it's always been her dream to live by the ocean. Unfortunately, she married me. Uh, See, I was born in Joliet, Illinois. It's a suburb slash garbage dump about 45 minutes outside of the city. And I've spent about the past six years living in Chicago. So I am most comfortable doing urban things like going to comedy shows, having a few beers before a White Sox game, or even riding the L that for some reason is inexplicably wet. So just like any sane urban person with a white trash background... I do not trust or like the ocean. There's a few reasons I don't like it. The entire ocean floor is covered in either poop or animals that eat poop. (laughs) Human beings have only seen one-third of all the species in the entire ocean, and I have seen the movie Godzilla. There is still nuclear waste leaking from the Japanese nuclear power plant that was devastated by the tsunami in 2011, and I have seen the movie Godzilla. (laughs) And Godzilla came from the deep ocean, and therefore he eats poop. (laughs) I want to be clear, it's not Godzilla that I'm afraid of. I don't think we really understand Godzilla. And this is America, and if there is anything we do well, well, it's kill things that we don't understand. It's the potential of Godzilla-like creature emerging from deep within the ocean. I think it's human to be afraid of things that you do not understand. I mean, how else do you explain the shared fear of death, of the afterlife, of clowns? Of course there are sharks, penguins, and genius dolphins who we are all aware of. But human beings still have not identified 80% of the organisms that live in the ocean. Humans can't go deeper than about one-third the depth of the ocean without our heads crushing our own brains. And after all that, seafood is disgusting. (laughs) Shrimp? Oysters? Give me a break. Tuna? Sushi? You've got to be kidding me. Seafood is the Pepsi of food. If there's nothing left and things get real desperate, I'll consider giving it a try. 
If I were stranded on a desert island, which would be my worst nightmare, then maybe I would eat a fish or drink a Pepsi. There's so much that is unknown about the ocean. There are rivers that flow 100 miles under the ocean's surface. So can't we find something better to eat? There must be some sort of underwater cow that we can make into sea steak. Because a manatee is not going to cut it. When I was young, I was more liberal. And I used to be more comfortable with the unknown nature of the creatures of the sea. But I think I have late on-site type A personality. These days, everything needs to be in its proper place. Eggs go in the fridge, keys go in the bowl, and my phone goes wherever I fall asleep. <laughs> I think it's wise to fear, dislike, and even avoid the ocean, because someday it's going to kill us. We deserve it. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We treat it like the poop that lines its floors. And you know why? Because this is America, and if there's anything we do well... It's kill things we don't understand. Thank you. Patrick, would you eat would you eat Godzilla? Yeah, you gotta try it. <laughs> you gotta try it. That's certainly true. Alright, so Patrick is doing a podcast here tomorrow. This next gentleman just did a podcast here in which the merits of Final Fantasy X were debated. Uh, I don't, in the end, I don't really know which side won, but I know this, the audience won, and so did Clayton Marderson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm also terrified of water, but for like a more, like, you know, personal reason. Uh, I sink in water, <laughs> which is, I know that sounds like literally impossible, but it's like totally fucking true and weird. Because um, it's something to do with my whole dad's side of the family. Because he gets in the water. I'm not kidding. It's like a stone. He's a big fat guy. And he just starts like drifting towards the bottom immediately. Like, it's seriously like his like, bones are made of concrete or something. Because he's just like... And I'm just like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And he hates swimming. He actually like never did his like swimming test, which is something you have to do uh, at old southern universities like the University of North Carolina, where he went to school and later I went to school. Um, and they had a swim test, which is where you literally you cannot pass school. You can't graduate unless you uh, can get into the water and like you know basically tread water for a few minutes to prove. And it's based on World War Two because uh, what would happen is there were like all these passenger ships are going to get hit by a German U-boat and you have to be able to like tread water until someone gets there to save you or whatever. Um, some shit like that. I don't know. So there, maybe World War I. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> So it's all based on some shit like that. It's super antiquated and dumb and my dad, uh, rather than like take the test um just like he was standing there changing classes and way back in the day they didn't have like a computer database for all this stuff it was just a big book and one of the things in the book next to your name was swim test and the guy happened to get up and like walk away to take a smoke break when my dad got up there and so he just like checked off <laughs> taking a swim test i'm sure the statute of limitations is up so i can talk about this but <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I I have always like had trouble swimming because it's just it, it, again I I tend to sink. Uh, it takes a little longer than my dad because I don't know I've taken slightly better care of myself I guess. But like I I still when I start swimming it's like this battle to stay above the water. 
because I it's the weirdest thing. I think it's like a buoyancy issue uh, or something, but which is it's biological. You just start going down, and it's really fucking terrifying. Um, and uh, but when I was a kid, I was really into swimming. I was fine with it. I also liked my dad had a speedboat and would take us out on Lake Jordan near where I uh, grew up, and we would when we were out there. Uh, he would like drive up on, or like, you know, I drive pilot. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Um, it's a boat. Like, fucking, he'd motorboat. No, not in that way. Uh, no, he, he'd take us like up over wake of other boats that were out there and shit like that. And I was, uh, I think it was like two or three years old, really young. And I was like kind of bored because, you know, there's not much to look at out there. And he would like go over wake and see that I liked it. So they hit like a big, <laughs> basically like this big wave. And I fell over on the side and went, shit. <laughs> and my mom just glared at my dad. And he was like, okay, all right. <laughs> like I use a lot of bad language around my kid. Uh, and they got to deal with that. So I, but I was, I really like became kind of fascinated by water and the ocean and like holding my breath underwater I was really it was like fun and interesting um until I was like I want to say seven or eight years old and my dad took us out uh actually out past the Outer Banks which if you've ever been to North Carolina it's a chain of islands just off the coast uh big resort spot we were out there and um we were so we were out on the Atlantic Ocean uh, and we were out there, and my dad, who liked to make with the drink drink, decided, like, hey, you know what? It was just me, my dad, and my sister, my older sister, about four years older than me. So she's about 11 or 12 at this point. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, you know what? Let's go swimming, huh? That sounds like a great idea out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. So drops the anchor, and I'm like, absolutely, let's do this. I got my little life vest on. I'm going to do this. Jump in the water, immediately riptide just tears me away from the boat. <laughs> And I'm gone. And now from your perspective, when you're in something like this, you don't understand that the boat isn't moving away from you, but that's what it looks like, that the boat just took off. Like like my dad tricked me into getting into the water so he could abandon me out there. So I'm like yelling, and my dad is not paying enough attention. And my sister's like, Clayton, Clayton's gone. Clayton's gone, like screaming. And my dad's like panicking and telling her to pull up the anchor. And she's like, 12-year-old girl, you can't do that shit. So I watch them disappear, and they are gone. Within five minutes, like I am out there totally alone, just blue in every direction. And I have my probably first and only panic attack, where I'm just like, I am going to die out here. And like my favorite movie growing up was like, Jaws and shit. So I start, and so that all starts to go on. I couldn't have been out there for more than like five minutes, but in that time, I developed a very healthy respect and fear of the ocean. Um, and to this day, like holding my breath underwater freaks me the fuck out. Like that, just that five minutes fucked me up that bad. But, uh, but of course, my dad like very quickly came and got me, pulled me up into the boat, and sits me down, looks at me, and what he says is, "Let's not tell your mother about this, okay?" <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Clayton. Glad you made it. Uh, talking games with Tim and Clayton every Tuesday uh, under the Nerdalogs podcast umbrella. It's a really great show. Uh, the debate that just happened here is going to be out this Tuesday. So, cool. Uh, coming up next is a fantastic producer and friend to the Nerdalogs and friend to me, Katie Johnson-Smith. That's the only nice thing I'm going to say. I almost ruined this podcast. You admitted we're friends, and that's the first time you've ever done that. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool. 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 Uh, 
So my my parents did not let me watch the movie Titanic till I was 13 because as the oldest of three and a girl, it was important for them to make me stick to the rules laid out by society, church, and their overprotective crazy. Um, tasked with blazing a trail for my two younger brothers, I rarely crossed any boundaries my parental unit set, as I knew it must be vital, a vital part of becoming a teen to see two blanketed actors hump each other while hiding in the bowels of a doomed luxury liner. (laughs) Also, Kate Winslet's boobs. The rules were in place for a reason, and it was important for me to blindly follow them. And follow them I did, for the most part, so hard, until I was 27. That is now. (laughs) Um, I spent so much of my time trying to make sure I did everything in my life right and correctly, that I was blind to the fact that living can be messy. And uh, in the mess, I got to break myself in half, like the Titanic, and see what I'm really made of. <laughs> I learned that even if I make a mistake or two, I'm pretty fucking awesome and strong and determined and not everyone is going to like me and that's all right. <laughs> if the Titanic had the friends that I have, it probably would have been buoyed by love and welded together with compassion. It never and it never would have sunk to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Maybe if I was allowed to watch Titanic before my teen years, the mess of my life right now uh, might have been avoided. <laughs> but my mom gave my youngest brother a personal DVD player along with the unrated version of Saving Silverman when he was 10. And now he's 23, has a good job, and is living in my parents' basement and bones a bunch of chicks from Tinder. So probably not. <laughs> Thank you. I think I was 13 when Titanic came out, and it actually, it felt super transgressive to watch that. Like, I remember, I didn't tell my dad that I went and saw that movie because there were naked tits in it, and I felt so fucking cool, but I really wasn't that cool. But look at me now, guys. Look at me now. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good song. I'm going to drop that in right here. Alright, uh, coming up next, we have a great friend of the Nerdalogs. I like this guy a lot. He hosts a podcast called An Hour with Your Ex. This is Mark Coulomb. Uh, thank you. And uh, the Poor Choices show now hosted on the Nerdalogs. So thank you guys for that. Uh, I swam my whole life till I got fat. I, I played water polo, but then I stopped because I got tired. I've been a lifeguard. I got my scuba card or, or whatever it is. So I've, I've dove or dived or divin or, or however you say that. Really all over the world. I say these things not to brag or to boast. I say them so you can understand how surprised I was when I became sure that I was going to drown in a 10 foot by 4 foot windowless jail on a cruise ship off the coast of Florida. <laughs> okay, I'm going to... Let me explain. Uh... I worked on a cruise ship after college, and I was a, a videographer. It was a dumb job. It was the perfect way to avoid my impending adult life in Sacramento. Uh, I was on the Crown Princess, for uh, those intending to sue me. Uh, the, the newest vessel in the fleet, there are about 19 decks on the Crown, and uh, as crew, we lived on Deck 4, which placed us below uh, the waterline. 
Uh, I shared my cabin slash prison with a kid from Southern California named Rory. So I think you can imagine what that dude looks like. Uh, we called our cabin Bakersfield. Uh, what we turned into a, uh, a room into a bar floating around in international waters. We maintained a closet full of booze and cigarettes, and to uh, placate the underpaid and comically overworked uh, cruise ship crew, uh, they they gave us tobacco and alcohol basically for free. So, at, like at a dollar twenty-five, I ran the numbers, and I was losing money not smoking. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we, we sail away from Port Canaveral, Florida a little after 3 p.m., and I had nothing to do since we were headed out to sea, so I brewed a pot of coffee to help jolt away the previous evening. I, I sat down in one chair that we had that barely fit between the desk and the previous mentioned uh, liquor-filled wardrobe. Uh, the desk had a, a tiny TV on it, along with piles of empty marble light packages. A shelf above the desk had our 360, its cinder block-like power brick, and a coffee pot. In hindsight, I would suggest never placing hot beverages above eye level, just kind of as a rule to live by. Uh, I poured a cup of coffee, and it was about to light a cigarette when the chair started to lean backwards. Now, this isn't uncommon when you live on a ship. Ships list. You lean, it lists a port and starboard, and you list a little to port, and you bounce your way back to starboard. And later in life, you can entertain people with your knowledge of nautical terms. My chair continued to uh, tip back. And the desk, television, coffee pot, Xbox, and an open case of uh, soda cans, I forgot to mention in the previous paragraph, began to tip forward. Now, this was uncommon, and it kept continuing. Over the course of about a minute in real time, in four to five hours, and holy fuck, I may die time, uh, the Crown Princess listed a maximum of 24 degrees off center as it uh, rolled back and forth. I became the star of a wacky silent film about a fellow that just doesn't know what to do with all these weaponized soda cans flying around his room. (laughs) Then the coffee. Then the power brick of the Xbox. Then I was slammed back the other way. Then I threw my arms out as the soda, or pop for the yokels, came careening back at my shins flying around the cabin. Now, this supposedly horrifying thing I I hope I never see again... I was going to die on a fucking cruise ship. My last vision was your booby flighting, uh, floating by as I sink to the briny depths. There's no rose reaching out, just a pot of hot coffee. I died like a Looney Tune on vacation. <laughs> when the listing subsided, I, I paused the way any of you would to do a systems check and just make sure that you're still alive and your pants were not all the way shitted. I look left, I look right, I take a big breath, and then I slam open my cabin door. The Australian fellow next door summed up the event much better than this long-worded rambling account possibly could. Huh. Wicked. Yes, Adam. (laughs) Yes, mate. It was wicked. Uh, The ensuing events and announcements all sort of jumbled together. No one died. Hate to ruin that cliffhanger, but I did live, sadly. Uh, Footage of the event has found its way onto YouTube, so search Crown Princess Disaster. My personal favorite of the footage is from the Youth Center. Uh, It's best described as the Poseidon Adventure crossed with Bugsy Malone. my friends were eating a late lunch in the buffet at the top deck uh, at silly time we almost all died. The wa- uh, they say they saw water from the pools pour out and, no joke, rush its way down the elevator shaft 19 decks. Those gentlemen on the bottom compared it to The Shining. We returned to Florida, offloaded the passengers, and the crew would be staying on board as we made our way back to our home port. But for that evening, we'd be staying in Port Canaveral. 
During the incident, much of the liquor on board had been destroyed, but somehow, some way, more than a few bottles remained unharmed till they made their way up to the crew bar that night. Look, you've been to parties, and I've been to parties, and I can promise you that that night the crew had what I can best describe as a celebration of life. It was the single craziest evening of my life. Everyone made it home with someone that night, and I, I think the idea was like, fuck it, we lived. Uh, groups of people hung out in cabins together. More than a few couples started, and quite a few ended that evening. In the morning, we headed back to New York, and there was no serious damage to the ship somehow. Honestly, credit to the captain who had handled everything like a pro. The crew was incredible and cleaned the entire ship up and had things mostly back to normal before we made it back to dock. I leave you with one note. The movie that was playing that night, the, that evening for the passengers, no joke, swear to Dusty Rhodes, motherfucking Titanic. Thank you, Mark. A lot of trauma, a lot of disaster this time. Man, I just thought a Little Mermaid when, when we said Under the Sea. You guys had some shit happen to you. So when, when Mark said uh, about Nerdalogs hosting Poor Choices, which is true, and you should all listen to it. It's a great podcast. Clayton leaned over to me and said, hey, I was on that podcast. So let's give it up for Clayton, guys. He was on Poor Choices. That was between me and you, Eric. <laughs> Eric, that was a moment for me and you. <laughs> and I just ruined it. <laughs> So we have one more speaker. We kind of did this at, at hyperspeed tonight because we're on a clock. Uh, usually this is like a multi-hour event and we, we take it a little easier, but you guys all kept your stories of time because you're all beautiful professionals and we love you very much. This gentleman came in from Los Angeles to do some shows here. He's in the two-person group Uncle Funny, formerly of Chicago, a uh, friend of mine, Eric Roth. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Eric and Nerdalogs and everybody, uh, for having me to this. My story uh, is about, I guess, in order to, the, the preface for my story is that, and I went to college with a couple of these guys, uh, so they, they can attest to this, but I was like really disgusting as a senior. <laughs> like I was a disgusting person. I would never uh, cut my fingernails, so my fingernails were always like really, really long. And my, uh, I lived with four girls in a house, and I had like the. They all had like rooms upstairs, and I had the downstairs room, and it was just like covered in clothes and food, and like I would go grocery shopping and just like throw bags of chips into my closet, and like, and like, uh, <laughs> my floor was like it was an old ass house in Urbana, and so my floor was kind of at an uh, a weird angle. Like maybe roots were growing up underneath it or something, and so like I would have uh, my floor would be a mess, and then I would have these patches that were like stepping patches, <laughs> so like between the door and my bed where I was allowed to walk. Like, but the floor was at an angle, so it was this like weird like traversing across. Like, like a friend slept over and like bled on my sheets the first night that I moved in there, and like so there's a blood stain on my sheets uh, like uh, orange peel at one point like went moldy in the bed next to me or in my in my nightstand and I was like ah that's the smell <laughs> uh, so I was disgusting but like entertaining enough to the four women who like cleaned the entire house I like was in charge of that bathroom down there but anyway 
there was uh, a summer I was back in town. I grew up in Chicago, and uh, we, a friend of mine that grew up here, his family would always have a barbecue at Lunt Beach, which uh, w- is like on the north side, about as far north as you can get, and. Uh, so we were there and hanging out and it was a bunch of us from college and so we were all like shooting the shit and we started walking south uh, along the beachfront and it turns from like beach into, into rocks. Oh, everyone's leaving the theater. <laughs> all right. It turns into rocks and so we were walking around on top of these rocks and as we were walking around on top of these rocks, you know, and, and talking about like, like life and college stuff, I looked down and there's this like furry thing underneath the rocks like like and you're, we're like oh shit it's like a dead animal down there and it wasn't it started like moving around uh there was a live dog uh that was like sort of trapped underneath the rocks down there i'm gonna compete with all this noise fuck you noise bring it uh, and so, so there's, we're walking around and we're like, holy shit, there's like a real fucking animal down there. And, uh, so like, I get, uh, it was like an, a dog. My friend runs back to the camp. He's like, we gotta get some meat. We gotta like, get it out of there. And like, we couldn't reach it. The dog was trapped. We like, eventually ducked down into these rocks and, uh, with like a hot dog, like beckoned this dog slowly over and like pulled this like mangy, nasty dog that had like been starved and like dehydrated, like out from the rocks. And the first thing I do is I call my roommate and I'm like, we found a dog. Can we keep it? And she's like, no, no, are you kidding me? You can't keep, you can't keep yourself. You can't keep this dog. Um, and my family had had like recently a weird history with dogs. We had like had a dog that had gotten hit on Lakeshore Drive. And, uh, like I came home from a math team competition senior year of high school and like my girlfriend and I got out of our car and my dad was like, Hey, how was the competition? And we were like, uh, we lost. And he was like, that's too bad. And and we were like, it's just a math team competition, dad. (laughs) And he like opens the back of his SUV and there's my dog, like dead back there. And he's like, what do I do with this? Like, and I had to like lift him up and like put him in a bag and like throw him in the garbage. Cause I didn't know what, that's what I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, so my parents ended up taking this dog and, uh, she made it like two years. She had a tumor. Uh, and the last night that we saw her, like the night before they were going to put her down, uh, we, I was in a sketch group, the other, other guys, and we got a sketch on Tosh.0, and that premiered the night that my dog was, like, going to be dead. So, like, my grandma and my aunt and my, like, 11-year-old cousin came over, and we were all, like, sitting around, like, watching this horrible, horrible, like, thing while my dog was, like, dying. Uh, and, like, my, the dog that we have now who's <laughs> missing an eye, because we just, they're dogs, I don't know what... Uh, was like protecting her and it was like this real sweet thing and like the sketch that we had on there like as we're all like mourning my dog and my grandma and my 11 year old cousin she's there and like the sketch that we did is like uh, these two people winning the twins of the year award and the thing goes like 
oh yeah, we're so close. We even finish each other, and then sentence, and the other one goes cunt. And so, like, there's my grandma <laughs> and my aunt, and they bleeped out cunt. So everybody was like, what did he say? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's that's the story. There you go. Thanks, everybody. Sorry about the interference, Eric. They, their show took 34 minutes. They went short. Come on, guys. Do the 45 minutes you're allotted. Anyway, thank you all for coming. This is really fun. Uh, we do this every month at the Public House Theater. Uh, we're the Nerdalogs. Go see Uncle Funny. They've got a show upstairs uh, in like 20 minutes. So, again, thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of Jangle Heart. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.